The Nation State of Play podcast is produced by IBC Media in San Diego, California. Hi, and welcome to Nation State of Play. I'm your host, Brian Miller. On each episode of this podcast, we explore high-impact topics determining the future of our nation state. Thanks for listening today. We have a great guest, Cynthia Murray with the North Bay Leadership Council. We have a really interesting conversation about an issue that I know everyone in the Bay Area is concerned about. I think people throughout the state are really zeroing in on, which is the business climate, not just in the Bay, but in California generally. We have a chance to talk about companies leaving out of state, companies moving within the state, and particularly the unique needs of the North Bay Area, which is, as we know, a global destination for wine and tourism, and um, and is one of the key things that makes the Bay Area the Bay Area. So I think it's an exceptionally important region uh, globally, certainly to our state and certainly to the Bay Area as well. So we'll be back right after this with Cynthia Murray. American democracy is good, but we can make it better. The National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers includes organizations across the country who are working right now to build a better democracy by opening primaries, implementing safe, secure voting systems, reducing corruption, and increasing transparency. Listen to our weekly podcast, How to Win Friends and Save the Republic, to hear updates from the latest movements in the democracy reform space. Subscribe and learn more about us at nonpartisanreformers.org. Welcome back to the Nation State of Play podcast. Well, Cynthia, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Could you give us a little bit of a background on your organization and the areas that you represent? Sure. North Bay Leadership Council is an employer-led public policy advocacy organization, and we represent the leading employers in Marin, Sonoma, and Napa counties. We were formed in 1990, so we just celebrated our 30th anniversary last year. Terrific. Well, uh, a world-famous area, of course, that you represent, and those of us in, in the Bay here, um, are spending most weekends up in your place. Uh, so, so thanks Keep for coming. We need the money. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It is truly a magnificent global, but also local destination. So, thanks for keeping it economically competitive and healthy. And that's what I want to get into. Uh, you know, we're we've had a few guests on talking about business climate issues. Really concerned about what's going on in California with some notable employers leaving the state. Um, also, just people generally expressing a lot of frustration with high housing costs and some alarming polling suggesting that huge swaths of the Bay Area are thinking about leaving. So I, I wanted to start with you there and ask you how you see the current business climate and what you're focused on. Well, you know, um, the military is a term for what we've been living through. It's called VUCA, and that stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And we've had a lot of that in the almost two years we've been going through with the pandemic. And it's really caused a lot of businesses to either have an economic shock or to sort of rethink, do I need to be in California? And so unfortunately we have seen many businesses leave and it's for a variety of reasons around the economic ecosystem. In our area, one of the biggest reasons is that they can't get the employees they need. They're having a really hard time. And one of the reasons they can't get employees is the housing costs are so high. And in the North Bay in particular, we've had horrible fires 
in the last few years, the last since 2017, we've lost thousands and thousands of units of housing. And we're not building new housing either to replace that or make up for what we needed before when we were not building enough to house the people who live here and want to work here. So it's been a real driving force. And I'm afraid it's going to continue. So I, I have heard the governor's people push back on, on this a little bit. I'm sure you've heard some of this narrative where, where they're sort of saying everything's fine. There's nothing to see here. Um, these stories are overblown. They're anecdotal. If you look at some data, there's there some confusing data on this, I, I will acknowledge. What, have you heard that from them? And what is what is your response when, when you do hear that argument? We certainly have heard that. And the pushback is... Um, they're not they're, they're looking at certain things and there are businesses that are growing here that are coming here that are doing well but there's a lot that aren't and we need to pay attention to them there's a red light flashing when you look at uh, companies like Tesla leaving we look at companies that aren't growing here so maybe they're not necessarily leaving but they're not going to open up another office here and it's funny, I just had to, to make a call to get a repairman out here. And he was in Texas, the customer service guy who's saying, oh, we know everybody's coming to Texas. Well, there's a reason. And he says, I don't want to pay any personal income tax and those kinds of things. So the businesses are gone where they can make money. That's what they're there for. And I think you're going to see more businesses making that calculation. So you have a truly unique economy in North Bay. We were uh, alluding to this before. Um, obviously, there there is you know no particular land and climate like what is in wine country, and you have the, the vast majority of what we think of as uh, wine country in Northern California. Here, I'm curious as to how your issues are maybe unique even within the Bay. You, you certainly have a different micro economy. Than a lot of other places. So what, what issues become particularly acute to you in, in this environment? Well, you're right. We live in paradise and it's absolutely wonderful. And our ag economy, um, people talk a lot about the wine, but we've also developed a big economy around um, craft breweries and now cannabis. And cannabis, you know, we're, we're considered the emerald triangle on the growth of the cannabis business, which I think was $5 billion last year. So Ag is really important, not only for an economic engine, but for our tourist engine, because a lot of people come here because they want to drink the wine. They like agritourism, those kinds of things. And I think one thing that um, maybe is also unique is because of, of our location with the bay and the ocean and the wine is that we really have a huge hospitality industry, which has been really decimated through the pandemic. Yeah, and, and we've certainly seen a lot of evidence of this. I've, I've personally seen evidence of there being, being up on the weekends. It is, uh, you can get into restaurants you couldn't used to get into, you can get into wineries that used to have months long waits. So it really does have a different feel to it. Uh, okay, so when you, when you think about the policies you're currently advocating for, we just got done with a lengthy legislative session. And I'm curious as to what your priorities are going forward in 2022. What, what do you think the state really needs to be focused on here in this economy? 
Well, we fought like crazy to get more economic relief money, both from the federal and the state government. And, and we did get some, but not nearly enough. And so that's been a huge issue to keep our small businesses going. Um, the big area that we keep going back to the state on is regulatory relief. Um, you know, we've been fighting uh, for uh, since I came to North Bay Leadership Council for over 15 years for CEQA modernization. So that makes it easier for people to build things because uh, companies need to grow. We need the housing. And we were really excited about SB 9 and 10 that just passed the legislature that allows more infill development, more density. Um, we really like ADUs, um, uh, accessory dwelling units, so that more people can be housed. Because as I said before, that businesses are finding they can't retain or attract employees because they can't afford to live here. So that's been a huge push for us. So, so CEQA, sometimes I think of this as kind of the third rail of California politics. It seems like fundamental reforms of CEQA are a very difficult thing to do. Do you anticipate actually pushing legislative changes to that in the foreseeable future? You know, I think it's going to be really tough because we know that the legislature is pretty dominated by labor interest and labor has been able to use CEQA as a cudgel to make sure that they get project labor agreements and other things favorable to union uh, to be able to do the construction. So it's an uphill battle, but I think everybody recognizes that one of the reasons we haven't been able to build the level of housing we need to build is because of CEQA problems. That and the, the litigiousness, the fact that, you know, almost anybody can sue for anything under CEQA and it just raises the, the cost and the time for development and a lot of developers just can't, can't do it. They can't afford to wait. Okay, so we have a, a sort of big meta-political issue that's uh, in the process of playing out in California, and that's redistricting, and it's certainly going to have an impact on all of these topics. And I'm curious, uh, are you involved in this? Are, do you have an opinion on sort of these early maps that we've seen, and how, how do you see this issue playing out? Well, I'm, I was on the redistricting commission for the Sonoma County uh, effort. Uh, and it, what was really said, upsetting for anybody involved in redistricting was how late the census numbers came out. And, and we didn't get them till September. And we need to have this done by December in order to have the redistricts, uh, the districts reapportioned for the primaries in June. And so it's been a uh, real press and a lot of, not a lot of time for public input. We're very concerned of what happened, um, is happening at the, the congressional and state level more so than local because of uh, our population didn't grow as much in California. So we're actually losing a congressional seat. So they're having to divvy those up. And the current uh, redistricting commission at the state level is really looking to chop the North Bay in a way that has never been before. Historically, it's dividing communities of interest, which is exactly what you're not supposed to do in this round of redistricting. The new uh, level of criteria they added is you have to keep communities of interest together. And they wanna split Marin from Sonoma and Sonoma from Napa and it's just crazy. And, and we would, uh, all of our congressional representation that we currently have uh, would not be viable anymore. So we're really uh, concerned about uh, them splitting up the communities of interest of the North Bay. So, so this is an opaque process at best with the redistricting commission. It's, it's theoretically is trying to insulate itself from advocacy, but, but there's certainly a lot of advocacy efforts going on. What are you doing in this space to communicate those concerns? 
we're getting the word out to everybody who has um, an interest to, to communicate, put, put in what you think the maps line should be, why you think they should be, you know, what are the communities of interest? What are the impacts gonna be if they make those decisions? And, you know, by changing districts, you change when people can vote and who they can vote for. And, um, you know, a lot of people are gonna be disrupted. And right now we wanna make sure everybody feels like it's easy to vote and it's clear and not add a lot more confusion to the voting process. Yeah, well said. Um, and we've heard a ton of concern about this topic from throughout the state. I would certainly hate to see the wine caucus uh, be blown up in Washington as those apparently are the best parties that Congressman Thompson runs, <laughs> runs there. Uh, so so we, we wouldn't wanna be messing with that. Um, what what is what is your take on this broader issue of economic competitiveness? And I want to ask this specifically intra California now, um, because I because I think we have you know, such a broad economy. There's so many different subregions, um, and I think a lot, a lot of the data, while it's arguably ambiguous as to as to whether there's a ton of movement out of state, it's but quite clearly a lot of movement within the state, um, out of the Bay in some cases, certainly out of San Francisco in some cases. How much of that are, are you seeing and what's your take on this? Um, I think we're seeing quite a bit of it. And again, it goes back to, uh, it used to be that the companies were the magnets for the labor force, but now that's flipped. Now that labor workforce is so scarce, the workers are the ones that are magnets. So companies are going where the workers are and the workers have had to move away from the North Bay because of the high housing costs. So that's drawing a lot of companies away from our area. And then we've also had some really pro bad problems with getting our transportation infrastructure up to par. And that's created problems. And right now we have um, Highway 37, which goes from Nevada over to Vallejo. And it is the poster child in the state for what's gonna happen with sea level rise because it already goes underwater when there's a big storm. And now they're predicting with the increase in sea level rise, um, within a very short period of time, we're gonna see that, that highway, which is, is hugely important to connecting the North Bay to the East Bay and other parts inland um, underwater. And, and right now uh, we don't have the funding for it. And, and it's, it's very concerning when you look at that kind of um, separation. Who are the, the local policy bodies who you feel like really need to hear this message of economic competitiveness the most? Obviously, we've got a, a tone-deaf um, legislature in a lot of ways, uh, but beyond the Sacramento stuff, what, what, uh, what are the challenges you feel like at the municipal level in terms of getting these messages out? Well, I think a lot of uh, people who get elected aren't business people. And so they've never had to write a paycheck. You know, they don't, they don't have the understanding of how, how the economy works. So I, we try in the employer world, the business world to try and do a lot more education when people are thinking of running for office, when they actually get elected to help them understand like, you know, your municipal revenue comes from a healthy economy and there's things that we both need to do together to make sure that that government gets funded and that the economy can thrive. So we work on that a lot. I think what I'm seeing around the state, there's a lot new uh, coalitions coming together that are trying to raise the voice of business and the, the, the fact that business is the problem solvers. Businesses have the knowledge and the resources and that's what they do every day is they solve problems. Government doesn't have that skill. 
And so we need to get more of that acumen into the governmental process. We need to be at the table to help bring those problem solving skills to help make our state be the best it can be. And we're seeing that in virtually every kind of public policy issue, there's that need for us to bring that, that knowledge and, and resource to it. Um, and climate change, you know, you'll see more and more businesses stepping up to the plate trying to do that. And I'm really hopeful that we can be big leaders on that. Yeah, so it's a great segue. That's the issue I want to talk about next. This is an area where there's there's some tension. You know, sometimes we 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 can talk about regulatory relief, uh, but on climate change, this is an area where obviously we need regulation to help tackle these issues. So how do you try to thread that needle? Well, I think what business is starting to understand is a lot of the things that need to be done actually help increase the bottom line. You know, it's that triple bottom line. By taking care of the planet and taking care of your people, you can increase your profits. And these are the kinds of investments that pay off. And so that's why you see more and more businesses, you know, trying to become carbon neutral and investing in, you know, electrifying their, their fleets and greening up their buildings and doing all those kinds of things. And it also goes back again to look at that economic, economic ecosystem. People want to work for companies that are doing the right thing. It gives you a way to attract and retain employees and edge over companies that aren't being as responsible. And, um, and it also makes customers want to do business with you. So I'm really excited. You know, the Bay Area and I think the North Bay has been a great leader in B Corps and trying to adopt all those, those practices that um, do reflect that you work for the triple bottom line and thrive. So I, I want to ask you about labor in the context of North Bay. It, it, North Bay, of course, has some unique labor issues, particularly around harvest every year, where we rely on a, a large fleet of temporary workers, um, often immigrants, who we, we really need to help get the work done that we simply don't have enough uh, employees with who are living in the North Bay on a year-round basis. First of all, did I describe that fairly so far? Yes. Okay, so so how how does the North Bay economy adapt to that sort of annual surge in labor needs? So um, I one of our uh, I, we give out awards for leadership, and we're giving mm. an award out to Dutton Winery, and they um, worked with the, the federal government on I think it's called H two A visas. So you bring in mm. people from they bring them in from Mexico to work during the time that you need for harvest. And they have gone out and built tons of housing for these people on their own dime so that they have a place to stay. So those are the kinds of things where I say that business is solving the problems. So part of the reason why it was hard to get the immigrant labor, one was working through the visa issue and the second was housing. And so they've done both. And I think we need to see more of that. We need to be able to make sure that we can access that labor force that wants to come here, that can earn as much in the short time they're here to cover their costs for a whole year and then have housing that's clean and, 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 and safe. So um, that's the kind of stuff I see more and more happening in agriculture is taking on that kind of responsibility. Do you think there's any statewide policies that can help with this topic or does this really need to be an employer by employer program? I would hope there is, but I don't have any, you know, real life knowledge. It, it is, it's a tricky one for, sh for sure. Um, and, you know, I think Tahoe actually experiences something very similar at the height of snow season. It certainly like can't staff the resorts appropriately with 
the, the local workforce there. And so these areas that we have these surges in, I, I just feel like this is an area where some of the anti-immigrant sentiment that has unfortunately seeped its way into our politics actually really sets back the economy. And we see that fairly acutely here in California. The anti-immigrant issues are, are just so disappointing, but I think one of the things I'm paying attention to is one of the reasons we've been able to draw people from Mexico on to work here part-time is the huge disparity in income between those working in Mexico and those here. But Mexico is starting to really do well as an economy. And so I'm worried they're going to keep raising their income and then we won't have that as, as another labor force, so which is why you see so much now in modern agriculture starting to look at modern uh, uh, automation and robotics and those kinds of things. And what crops can a machine pick and, and others that only a human can pick? So um, I think we're going to see an increase in that level of support, just like you're seeing in the restaurant business and others where it's really hard to get a labor force. Um, and I think that's one of the, the things that the pandemic accelerated was a move to automation and robotics and in, in industries where it works. Yeah, I was at a winery recently, they're showing me an optical sorter that they use where they literally take imaging on the conveyor belt of the grapes after they've been picked and shoot air at the grapes they don't want they drop below and they keep us up just just amazing um and i think it's always a lot of interesting innovation in, in the wine industry because as as you well know winemakers are meticulous maybe some of the most meticulous people in the world and anything that they can do to um to derive just a little bit more precision out of their crops that they seem to always be willing to experiment with so i think it's an amazing place for innovation I think another thing that, that we're seeing and we're not alone is supply chain issues. So like right now, the bottle, they can't get glass wine bottles, you know, and it's just that that's a whole nother side of, of what I hope we can start to learn from the pandemic on what, what areas can we get more redundancy in the supply chain? Can we do it locally? Um, is there more clean manufacturing jobs that could be created? Um, maybe not in the North Bay, but somewhere in California. So we have more better access to the supply chain and they're not all on ships sitting out in the ocean by Long Beach. Yeah, yeah. So how would you describe your work as being maybe different than some of the local chambers we see? I'm sure you work together, but you, see, you represent a sort of broader region. And I wonder if there's any different approaches in the advocacy that you bring to it. It's a great question. So we're the only regional organization, you know, a chamber generally represents a city or a, a metro area. Um, we represent the region and we only work on public policy areas of interest to employers. So we're not about business networking and things like that. So that's one of the biggest difference. And our members are generally um, the, we say they're the leading companies in their industry sector, so it's not wide open like a chamber where anybody could join. Ours is by invitation only. Got it, got it. So, so what do you do to get the message out? It's, it sounds like you're probably have a lot of uh, local municipal government meetings, meeting with legislators, that sort of thing, but, but what, what are the tactics you deploy? We, we do um, a lot of meetings with elected officials. Um, we meet with them regularly from our city councils up through our Congress people and senators. Um, we also have a newsletter, we hold events, we do a lot of forums where we have hot topics, where we educate people on the issues and bring in people to explain 
both sides of it, if there is both sides, those kinds of things. So we have a lot of outreach and, and communication that we do to try, you know, everybody that is being asked to, to vote and, and draw opinions. And the way you do that is to be informed. So we try and be very much um, an educator and an advocate. Well, uh, it's great to have you on the show. If people want to find out more about the organization, uh, I understand it's invite only, but if they, if they want to read more and see if they can get one of those invites, where can they read more about your work? They can go to northbayleadership.org and we a newsletter is public. Our, uh, we have public events and they can sign up and we're happy to, to bring them into the fold and keep them informed. Terrific. Well, Cynthia, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for everything you're doing for uh, region of the state that is near and dear to my heart and I know to millions of others. So please keep it up and thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. We invite you to share story ideas, comments, and questions. Find us at NeptuneOps.com or on Twitter at at NationStateOfP1. Again, that's at NationStateOfP and then the number one. Follow us and subscribe to listen to all of our episodes as we continue to explore the inside stories driving California policy. This is the Nation State of Play podcast, exploring the inside political stories driving public policy in California. Powered by Neptune Ops and presented by IVC Media. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and thank you for listening.